Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Kimmy. Kimmy has a, hold on. Kimmy has a special project that she's doing along with a whole kaleidoscope of things that she's doing. And this involves a lot of artistry and things like that. So I wanna pass the floor over to Kimmy. Kimmy, please tell us about your humble beginnings and where you're from. Okay, well, I'm in Ohio. And uh, actually my story starts in college. Um, I actually had a car accident that kind of derailed my path. I was gonna be a teacher. I had a little PTSD and I switched majors and I couldn't figure out what I wanna do. Found out I could paint after I became a mother and I started painting in the local art scene. Okay. And I painted a set of wine glasses for my old boss because I bartended right in the heart of the art scene where I used to live. Okay. And that changed everything. That was my niche. Uh, painted wine glasses sold faster than anything. So I built my business, Makiki's Art, which is named for Mama and Aunt Kiki mushed together because that's okay. all I heard when I started painting. And I went from shipping locally to worldwide. I did... Um, local wine events, but Facebook literally changed my life, social media. And this was back when it was organic. You didn't have to pay for, you know, advertising and you didn't have to pay for your own fans to see it. And I did networking and I made friends with like people all over the country, Somalia and California interviewed me, uh, Wino TV. I talked to them, Success Magazine featured me. I just, I was doing really, really well and growing really fast before I had my first major manic episode. So everything stopped, uh, business completely halted, and I am bipolar one with generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, my first manic episode, uh, if you're not familiar with bipolar, when you're manic, you're just really high, and some people cross over into delusion, which I did. Okay. I'm very lucky that I was not hospitalized. I would have been hospitalized if we didn't have an established family doctor. So in lieu of being in the hospital, I stayed at my parents for three weeks, and I was just drugged, which brings you out of your mania. But at that point you go into a depression. So you have to like balance. And um, my doctor always talked like it's a, it's like a bank account, you know, when it spikes, you got to balance out with rebound. And I had depression for a long time, but well, I left a important part out during that episode, before I was diagnosed, I painted a butterfly, which I had never painted before. It was okay. uh, random out of the blue. So one side is solid and the other side is melting. And after, um, after rebounding, my sister-in-law is like, you know, that really kind of demonstrates bipolar disorder. There's two sides, you know, there's the beautiful, inspiring side, my mania, and uh -huh. there's the depressive, falling apart side. And I was like, yeah. So at that point, I had a lot of followers from Mickey's art, you know, in the wine glasses. So when I blogged about it, I had such an outpour from the mental health community. I had the biggest response I've ever had with any blog or business. So I'm like, okay, I need to paint more of these. And I got a lot of orders. And then I decided at one point I want to make prints because I couldn't keep up with the orders coming in because I painted everything on windows and wood. It was all hand painted. And one day while I was painting prints, I heard a segment on NPR and it was discussing um, statistics with mental health and violence slash suicide. And I mean, there was like a lot of awful things, but the one that stood out to me was the number two cause of death for 10 to 34 year olds was suicide. Whoa. I had a 10 year old. Yeah, I know. And the depression that I had, I was never suicidal, but I was pretty low. And I, I thought about death and I actually welcomed death. Not that I would hurt myself, but knowing that 10 year olds get lower than that enough to do something, it just ate at me and I got obsessed with it. So I'm like, okay, I want to do more with this design. I feel like, I don't know, it's just supposed to be bigger than me. 
And then a few months later, I responded to an open art call at a local mall and I was accepted. I painted my signature trees. And on the flip side of that wall was just a big empty, ugly wall. So I shared my story with them and I said, can I paint a pair of butterfly wings on your wall? And they're like, after hearing my story, they're like, yes. And that changed everything. So that got a lot of attention. And that was the Canton Repository story. Okay. Paper. And then <clears throat> I did another mural for an art gallery. And then I saw an open call for sculptures, which I've never done. And I'm like, how can I, it was for an exterior garden space. And I was like, how can I make one of these for outside, you know, not as a mural on a wall. So I reached out to different metal fabricators because I wanted to make a metal butterfly. And one of the ones, actually the first one that responded was moved enough by my story and touched themselves with mental illness that they donated and worked with me on this project and saved me literally thousands of dollars. And I could never have done this stuff without them. So after that, a finishing company heard my story and they wanted to be a part of it. So they donated their services to seal it with like a car sealant that kept it safe yes. and protected. And then a techno uh, technology company heard it and they wanted to be a part of it. So they made a photo filter for me for Facebook. So it's just, it's like steamrolling, you know, like other people want to be a part of this and it's outgrowing. I want it to outgrow me. I don't want it to be an extension of my art anymore. I want it to be more. Its own thing. So my goal, and I'm dreaming big, but I want to give an identifying visual representation to mental health um, that builds community and support as effectively as you know, pink ribbons and rainbows do. So I want like Coca-Cola and Pepsi to have the butterfly logo during bipolar awareness, you know, month and day. So. Yeah, that's my okay. goal. Okay, so let's dig in a little deeper. Let's go back in time. Um, inside your household growing up, was mental health discussed? Was it something that was taboo in your household? It was really never discussed. It was kind of not an issue. We didn't know much about it. When I had my first bout of depression, it was after um, a pretty devastating car accident and it was kind of circumstantial. I was 19 and at that point I had casts on both my arms from my wrist to my shoulders. I had a cast on my leg. I had third degree burns down my on my sides and my lower back. So it was just made sense to have it. You know, it wasn't an illness at that point. And yeah, it was never a problem. So, so no one brought it up because that's one thing that uh, I noticed like when I talk to people when they talk about these things, usually the, it was something that didn't come up in their household and then something happens that triggers it. And obviously this accident triggered this with you. So we'll go a little bit further. You get into your business venture where you're painting uh, for these wine glass and then you get over into other stemware. Was this sort of like a self-care type deal when you first yeah, started? It's funny you say that because I was not diagnosed until I was 35. Okay. So the biggest bump for being diagnosed with bipolar, most mental illness is between your late teens to your mid twenties. And then um, there's another smaller bump between your mid thirties up into 50 and anything older. And supposedly they say it's either higher intelligence or high creativity. And our minds and our brains are able to cope with and deal with the ups and downs. And I totally see that in my history, like with my creative spikes, I can okay. see when I was dynamic and it very much affects my creativity. I just, I'm excited and I stay up and I have all these ideas and then I can see the lows are when I truly, I just, I don't want to paint and I don't feel like I do as good a job and it's just, I can totally see a cycle with it. Yes. Okay. Now inside your first manic episode, what were your feelings like and how did people around you uh, help you and how did they cope with this happening to you? 
Okay, so mine, mine lasted a few months. Um, everybody's different. Uh, there's no two alike. My mania, my sister recognized it first and I was in denial, but um, I was feeling great. I was exercising. I had confidence. Just, I hadn't felt this good since I was 19, actually before the accident. And I just, I was feeling wonderful in life. I never like waking up early. I'm not a morning person, but I was for a couple months. And uh, I actually feel very called to ministry. My mania is very spiritual. I grew up um, in a Christian household. We went to church on Sundays, you know, church on Wednesday nights. I went to a Christian school. Um, and I think that kind of roots a lot in my belief system affects a lot of my psyche, my psyche. So I feel called to ministry, which is really inspirational and I, it's great, but I end up crossing over into delusion and I can recognize the delusion now. I feel like I'm a prophet. <laughs> I feel like I know things that other people don't know. And at one point I truly felt like I could identify with Christ being crucified on the cross. And that's, I was screaming in my doctor's office and that's when they did the official, like, okay, she should be admitted. We're going to let her go to her parents and drug her. But, but yeah, mine's very spiritual. Okay. Okay. Now expressing your art um, that you do and uh, the response that you get from this art how do you crack and break down the stigma, stigmas that follow mental health? Okay. A lot of people ask me if I've experienced stigma. Now, I am super open about this and I am a huge advocate right out the gate. So I think people, I get more response from people that are happy about it than anybody that has a negative stigma. Um, I do work for myself, so I don't have to deal with, you know, a stigma with at work or with coworkers or peers. But I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, you're so brave, you know, I, I'm so glad you're sharing your story. And I, they experience the stigma and they're like, I don't feel comfortable talking about it. I feel judged, you know, I wish I could be more open about it. So I deal with a lot of stigma from other people. I haven't had it myself. Um, and I tell them that this is exactly what I want to change. You know, it shouldn't be brave to talk about it. It should be common. You know, you can say I'm diabetic and my body needs medicine should be no different than saying I'm bipolar and my mind needs medicine. Right. Cause people have put a taboo around all this. And uh, my question, my next question would be to you is um, what incident or what happened in your life to make you brave enough to express this for the simple fact we deal with so many different people that are strong leaders and stuff like that, that deal with mental health issues and never say a word. Right. Right. I think I was, okay, so it's funny, um, before my car accident, I was really outgoing. I was a cheerleader. I was on speech team. I did uh, Model United Nations. I was, did theater. I was very outgoing and social. After the accident and my depression, I regressed. I became very introverted. I didn't want to socialize. And it was, like my family will tell you, there is a post-accident Kimmy and a previous accident Kimmy. It was a very defining change in my life. Um, but once I was diagnosed bipolar, I kind of like bounced back to, not after being diagnosed, for, um, forgive me. It's after hearing that segment that made me decide I want to use this. I feel like I bounced back to previous Kimmy and I don't know, I've never had the confidence like I do since I was younger to just share about it and open up because I feel like right now it is kind of a mission for me to change it for my kids and their generation because they're already predisposed to struggle with depression and anxiety and I just want to make it easier for the future generation to address it and to seek help when needed because 
that's the biggest danger. People are afraid to talk about it because of the stigma and people don't receive help they need. And oftentimes we don't realize somebody's mentally ill until something really tragic happens. So I really think just talking about it and opening up about it can make a huge difference. Okay. Now with all success that people have, uh, like your being, your triumphant and what you've done so far in life, what has been a failure that has come about through all this? Because we always talk about the good points of things, but no one ever talks about the necessarily the bad, bad things that happen or with, with all the amounts of success you get, you know, there's some type of failure that you feel what has been your failure. Uh, my failure, I'm ashamed to say, is I do feel like I neglect my family. Um, just the time I put into this, I feel sometimes I'm working so much to help strangers. I should be more present with my own children and husband. And I think they would probably agree, although they're very proud of me and they want me to do it, but I need to be better about, um, compartmentalizing, <clears throat> excuse me, and not always focusing on the bipolar butterfly project. Cause I kind of am, I don't ever really take time off. My husband will always say, put your technology down. You know, you don't have to respond yeah. to this here. So that is something I struggle with for sure. Okay. And I thank you for expressing that and letting people know that because everyone always tells a great success story, but they never tell that, that grit, that grime that leads to that success. So here, this goes on to our next question. Um, how was success measured for you? Or, or hold on, let me finish this real quick. Or is success not measured for you? You just see everything as a positive. I would go with the second. I, okay, so like this entire project, project is not a financial success at all. Honestly, this is a very taxing because a lot of it is just pro bono. Even if I get supplies donated, I don't get paid for the majority of what I do. Um, so that's a really hard part. I need to learn a way to balance it. And I really believe that it has its own purpose and, you know, provision will be provided moving forward, but that is a big sacrifice with this. However, success, it's not about the fame and it's not about, I mean, I enjoy having it because I want to share and talk to people, but it's not just being in the limelight. I really do hope to make a difference. So for me, success would be to make a change and make a difference for somebody else. Even if it's someone that I will never meet, you know, like somebody in another state or I dream of somebody in another country, <laughs> but I hope to affect people. Yeah. I hope to affect people that I never even hear about. I just want to make a difference and help somebody. And, and I like that, that you don't care about the notoriety or anything like that, but have you been given any testimony from anyone that your artwork has helped them along the way or your guidance or anything that you have done, uh, be it, on the internet or whatever has helped anybody, anybody like just came to you, made, made you feel warm inside. Yes. I get a lot of that. And I think that honestly is what kind of keeps me going. And what drives me is hearing the positive from other people. I, I have so many people reach out to me and say, you know, I have a loved one who I think has a whatever, and this is giving me the confidence to address it and to kind of open up and talk where I previously was afraid to, but learning about this and that other people are doing it. Cause there really is a big advocacy right now for mental health with celebrities. And it's just a, it's becoming a better, more open topic than it was in the 1900s. My kids would tell you, I always refer to my <laughs> life as back to the 1900s. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm losing train of thought. <laughs> Remind me what I'm answering. Uh, we were working on, uh, I kind of lost train of thought cause you had me going good there. Um, <laughs> 
we were, we were talking about the success and how it's measured, how it's not measured, and you did a great job of explaining it. So I'll go into my next question. All right. So the uh, project that you have going on, Bipolar Butterfly Project, is it born out of circumstance or was it born out of fate? Ooh. Fate. All right. I think circumstance enabled it and was used to help me find it. But I truly believe that this was meant to be and it's bigger than me. And looking back at all the struggle I've dealt with, I'm like, I hate to say I'm happy that I had it, but I am. I'm happy that I went through whatever I've gone through because that is the fuel for this whole project. And I think it's going to help others. And oh, this kind of answers what you asked me. Just today, I have so many people that reach out to me and say this whole thing and this visual representation of the bipolar butterfly speaks to them so much and how it means a lot to them and it helps them recognize their own feelings about it. And I just had somebody tag me yesterday on Facebook. Um, she was on her way in for a medical procedure and I have a, an exhibit at a local hospital right now and she shared the picture of it. She said, I saw this on my way in this morning at six and it just, it just gave her joy for that moment, you know, and spoke to her. And I'm like, that is the biggest honor just hearing people say that it somehow betters their moment or whatnot that's that's just a huge honor all right all right now you're you are where you are in the present what does the future hold for you and your project in your next endeavors okay so my next project is um i'm doing pieces for cleveland so as of now i have I have about 11 public art displays, but they're all in neighboring cities where I am. And now Cleveland will be my biggest exposure so far. Yeah, I'm really excited. Kind of nervous, but excited. And after that, I have an opportunity in Cincinnati. So I'm kind of hitting the bigger cities and panning out. And then I want to get to Pittsburgh. So I want to go, you know. No Columbus? Well, I would love to do Columbus too. Okay, yes. No, Columbus is, I was actually thinking Cleveland and Columbus, but Cincinnati reached out to me first. But I would definitely because that's where the arts um, center of Ohio is. So yeah, no, I do want Columbus. Okay, so Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, then Pittsburgh. And, and then, then maybe, and don't forget Dayton over there too. That Dayton. is true. I went through, although Dayton's pretty close to Columbus. So. Yeah, so I got you. But here's the thing, anybody who reaches out and wants to do it, I'm all for it. Uh, the hardest part right now is finding the funding for materials and whatnot to do it. Not even just my time or um painting process just getting the funding for it so we did launch a GoFundMe campaign to raise funds for it and I'm like whether companies would want to sponsor one would be amazing but yeah so if places reach out to me I am all about getting a piece in there and I would dream of crossing the states and having one in every state and then really big dream is to have you know stuff in different countries oh yeah I understand it now let's get into this you have social media can you plug real fast where they can find you? And then we will, I want to go over to your website and talk about it a little bit if you don't care. Not at all. Okay. So originally all of my art was through Makiki's art because uh, that was how I built my brand. So I definitely have higher numbers through Makiki's art on Facebook and Instagram, but I've decided I want to do a bipolar butterfly project as its own thing. Because like I said, I don't want it to be an extension of my art. I want it to be its own thing. I have Oh, I have collaborations lined up with like six artists. So I'm going to do pieces with other people. Yeah. So I want it to be group things. I want other people to do it too. I don't want this to be Kimmy Hendrick or Kimmy. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want this to be Kimmy or Mikiki's art. I want this to be its own thing someday as it grows. 
So I do now have Bipolar Butterfly Project on Instagram and Facebook and BipolarButterflyProject.com uh, shares my story, shares links to my social media. You can see images of projects I've already done. And also um, there's a link to my GoFundMe page to raise funding to continue to do more projects. And there's some beautiful artwork over here. All of it's beautiful. I mean, you can just scroll down and I'm doing it as we're speaking right now. And, and I'm just like, wow. Um, and you can head over to your shop. You have a shop on here. I do have a shop, but it, nothing's listed. Okay, so this is another big part of this. I need to get back on track with that. We do, I did um, t-shirts and prints. Oh, there is a, okay. The shop leads to, uh, leads to, it links to an art studio. Yes, it does. I forgot the prints are live. I have prints for sale. They do framing, they do shipping, they do matting. It's through a local art gallery that I show at a lot. I love them. Upfront art space. You can find a lot of my work, but I also have a line on, um, as of now it's through threadless.com, but I don't promote it much because I'm going to get involved with a local printer, but t-shirts, decals, notebooks, you know, all of that stuff is coming. Okay. So you got a lot going on there. I now, do have a lot going on. Um, We've listened to your story, that me, the audience, and everything. We'll hear this. Um, now, it's a little giving back on your part now. What would you tell the next Kimmy to do if she wants to do what you're doing today? Okay. Well, before I answer that, I left a really important part of this project out. Can I touch okay. on that real quick? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. I have a whole other side that I was reached out um, youth projects. I have, okay. I've done about three projects with youth working on art advocacy and we worked on wings together and it's about teaching them how to use their voice in ways where words can't. Uh, I just finished a project with a youth group. I have two more lined up. So I'm doing a lot of programs with middle schoolers and high schoolers, which is amazing. That is super rewarding to work with the kids. And we're learning about just art activism. Um, of course, we're focusing on the butterfly because they're learning about, so they're learning about mental health because pediatric mental health is huge right now with the pandemic. I mean, we all have, you know, the social financial stress, political division, social, you know, unrest, but the fallout mentally from this year alone for all of these kids going through school and living this year through the pandemic at every age, you know, we're talking kid like babies on up, the mental health I hate to say crisis, but the fallout is going to be for decades. So now more than ever, mental health needs to be addressed because all of these kids are processing and going through things and they need to feel comfortable, you know, talking about it and addressing it. So working with youth is a really big part of this and really important, just part of this movement for me. And I, and I get that and I appreciate you doing that for the world because like you said, you know, our generation, we had blizzards and different things happen, but we never had something right. that truly removed us from school. Like these children, I could never understand it because all even no, no matter how you were social in school or, or something, there was always a vice at school for someone if it was a book, people or a teacher, whatever. And when that's removed from you and it's just a computer screen. Right. Just the social element. They're not getting the social interaction they need. And actually, I, I read something recently, just just the hypochondriacness of it. Like kids are going to be afraid to be physically, you know, um, no one's allowed to touch each other. And you have to wash your hands every two seconds, you know, and it's just like that isn't quite a big deal, I think, as just the mental experience of not having that social interaction that is so key for humans, you know. Yeah, and another thing, like, uh, I was talking to one of my colleagues about this, the high five will disappear. Yes, exactly. That's sad. 
Yeah, and so many things. Four things you teach a baby, you know, it's like they yeah, um, patty cake and everything like that, and it just takes away from from all that. Yeah, that social interaction. I feel like it's that's a key element. Okay, so um, going more in depth, um, you're on Instagram, right? Are there any plans in the future to, to have any Instagram lives or anything showcasing yes. what you're doing in real time? Yes, I need to get better at that. Uh, I definitely want to go more behind the scenes because a lot of times I'll show pictures when something's done and I'll be like, you mm -hmm. know, look at this thing we just did. And I definitely want to um, bring people along the journey with me and have people be a part of the process. So absolutely, I plan to be more. Okay, like now we'll get on to uh, the next Kimmy. How would you tell that person to get to where you are right now? Because here's one thing that people never realize, and you probably don't realize about yourself right now. Um, you understand you're an influencer, uh, a trendsetter in what you're doing, um, but you never grasp the role model. A lot of people don't grab that. Everybody has the Charles Barkley mentality that I'm not a role model, but you're a role model to someone right now. Somebody's following what you're doing right now. We talked to statistics in our pre-call a little bit ago. There's someone that's looking at your Google stats and following you and like, hey, what do I need to do to get here? Sometimes they see a clear picture. Sometimes they just see the success. They don't see the ups and downs. So what would you tell the next Kimmy how to become you and just give them a roundabout uh, overlay of what to do? <clears throat> okay, so the most people that reach out to me with those stories about how I inspire them or whatnot, aside from the mental health, is clearly the art world. I've had a lot of people reach out and they're just like, you know, I, they just look up to, I, I hate to say it, but numbers and followers are kind of a big deal these days. Uh, so my advice is number one, you really got to put yourself out there. You just got to reach out. So that's how I built Makiki's art on Facebook years ago when it was organic. I reached out to tons of people. I painted stuff and I sent it to them with their logos. I made specific things for people that had big pages. We did a lot of collaborations. I did tons of giveaways. I just wanted to get my product out there so people could see it. You know, that's the best marketing is for people to have it in hand and to see what you can do. I also want people to realize that you will get a lot of rejection. Um, anymore for me, rejection is just motivation. If I get a rejection, it's like, okay, this isn't meant to be. That means there's something else around the corner. That was the really hardest part for me in the beginning was when you get any kind of rejection, whether it's a show you submitted to, or it's somewhere you asked to sell product at, or it's anything that you just get a no for, it's super disheartening. And it's easy to be like, but you just got to keep going. You just keep going. That, that wasn't a good fit. And there is a ocean literally an ocean of opportunities and possibilities out there to work with people to collaborate so keep plugging take rejection as motivation and honestly social media for me and i think most people is a game changer it took me from selling at local events around you know ohio to shipping worldwide so and you have to you probably know this you have to stay really active on social media to be seen you have to follow yes know the trends and figure out what kind of content and activity you need so it does take a lot of time yeah and i say with that it's a key thing it's demographics i have yes. to look at like like we said earlier you have to look at certain numbers and you want to reach everybody but in this day and time you're not going to be able to reach everybody at that moment they'll all get it at some point and that's one hard thing that i always try to get everybody uh i call us all content creators now all content creators we have to take that, and I like your thought on the uh, criticism and the rejection, because I, I always tell people this, just because you get a margin of success, it can go away the next day. And from that margin of success, you can get more success, but it takes a whole lot more rejection 
then a lot of yeses that you're going to get it going down the road. And, and I always tell people, people get fearful of this. And I'm like, you shouldn't feel that way. You should just take those. As I say, you should roll with the punches and keep going. You, you know, yeah, don't take it personal. It's, it's, I mean, the whole, the world is saturated. I mean, just saturated and, and people have so much in their face in the screen. Just don't take anything negative to heart. Just keep going. Cause you're going to reach someone. There's billions of people out there. So yeah, you'll definitely yeah. make your way now. Um, the last thing that we do inside this podcast, and, and I thank you so much for all the conversation about bipolar. This is a bit of a little comedy that goes on here because we like to lighten, not saying that the mood wasn't in any other way, but uh, one thing uh, I had a guest come on, he was a rapper and he could solve a Rubik's Cube in 40 seconds. Um, a lady from Georgia, she goes out to Goodwills and um, she's from Ohio. She's from a little place called Lima. Oh, I broke my rule. But anyway, yeah. And she goes around to all the Goodwills, um, We'll just say from Canton to Dayton all the way down to Chillicothe. That makes a triangle, I guess. And she gets the artwork, puts rhinestones and glitter on it, and resells it in Columbus at higher prices. So, so Kimmy, you're on the hot seat now. So what is your secret talent or a secret that no one knows about you? Because you have to understand, uh, you may be big in certain areas, but after this podcast, she'll be in a whole another arena. So what's a secret or a talent you could tell us that nobody knows? Okay. I have a talent more than a secret because again, I am a total open book. <laughs> I am an oversharer. Sure. I feel like everybody knows everything about me because I'm not afraid to be embarrassed. Um, but a talent that I have, which I wish I did more is uh, I love finding discarded, especially things or things that are just overlooked and turning it into art. So when I started out, I painted on vintage and salvage windows and mirrors and people would literally call me and be like, hey, there's something on the curb over here. I see an old window, you know, in the trash pile here. And I would go and totally dumpster dive and collect things out of trash to use to resell. So like some people might own something that I painted for them and not realize that it literally came out of a trash can. Okay. Cycled <laughs> and, <laughs> and turned it into art. So I just think it's really cool to, you know, upcycle fun things and i would probably I, think oh go ahead all right so yeah so you're another repurposed person so you and the you know, lady I have a better story <laughs> i should have left on can i give you a better one or you can go ahead keep going <laughs> okay that i do have a it's not a secret a lot of people know this but i have a gift that i can literally eat more chocolate than probably anybody so my first job when i was 16 i walked up to the local chocolatier where i lived it was my dream job i got hired while you're working, you're allowed to eat out of the case stuff, you know, for free yeah. while you're there. Most people can only eat so much. So it wasn't a big deal. I literally was weaned off the schedule and let go because I cost them more money because of how much chocolate I ate than they paid me hourly. So <laughs> I made enough chocolate to be fired from my first job. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's it. That's really something different there to eat that much chocolate. I, yeah, I, I can, I cannot be sick of it. It's, it's a curse really. It was a blessing when I was young, but now metabolism and everything, it's more of a curse, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, is there anyone you want to give any shout outs to that have helped you along the way? Cause like I tell everybody, um, we can always put on this big front and we do, you do do the artwork yourself. You're painting that, but there has to be someone that is pushing you in the right direction or just an entity or something. It could be like a squishy ball or anything. Um, who would you want to give a shout out to or, or whoever? Okay. I have a short list. Okay. Go ahead. Um, 
my husband, Nathan Henderson, because without him, I couldn't do half of what I do. He creates mm-hmm. and designs with me. Troy Philibum from Falls Metal Fabricators and Industrial Services. They are the ones that have created and donated the materials to do all the metal sculptures that I do. And literally this would not be possible without them. Okay. CLS donates their services again. And Bill Myers from New Technology, uh, he does the technology stuff for me and all of these things would not be possible without these people. All right, and I'm glad that you have a team. Yes. That, that is with you, that is helping you along the way. Cause so many people, you know, we all struggle in different areas. Cause like you said, you're the artistic part of it. You gotta have a computer guy somewhere. You got, yes. you, have, you got, and we'll call them metal workers. You got metal workers here and everything. Um, and it all comes together, a, a great collaboration that makes something amazing for the world. It, feels so, like it really does. So at the very end of our shows, it's one thing that I like to do for people and I, I give them a little testimonial about themselves and um, then I'll let you go forth with this. All right, it's a great thing. It's really amazing that you were helping people and um, breaking down the barriers of mental health stigma. So many people go along in life and it comes from our generation and before. We were not given the proper knowledge on how to deal and how to construct an atmosphere to talk about this because no one talked to us about it. Being from the same generation, same year probably, we both know how hard it is to even get someone to sit down at the table to talk about it. That is the one great amazing thing about you. You have found a way to open the eyes, open the ears to listen and to see this mental health issue and other mental health issues along the way because we can put it all in one umbrella i think you would say not there's different facets to them but we can put it under an umbrella and you can say hey it's all right here's a space here's a place let's talk about it let's bring it out let's not sit here and keep it fenced in anymore and you do that through your artwork through your um motivational uh activities on instagram and, and everywhere else and just in your We'll call it a ministry, but we'll, I'll just use that if you don't mind. In your ministry, no, I, I love that. In your ministry, you know, and you're not making it secular or anything like that. You're even though you could, you're involved mm-hmm. in everyone, a community. So you really should love yourself more than anybody else on earth, because there's mm-hmm. not too many people that are like you. That's not a pat on the back. That's not a compliment. That's who you are. So you really should embrace that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so what is a famous quote that we're going to get from you that I'll be able to put on a meme one day? I don't know who said it. I don't know where it came from, but a big part of it for me is you will never regret being kind. Um, and that's a big part of this whole thing too, is not just addressing mental health, but treating people. None of us know what someone else is going through. Um, mental illness is an invisible disorder and it's just about kindness somebody you have no idea what someone's going through and I this is what I teach my children even if you feel bullied by someone or that someone was mean about something you don't know what's going on at home you don't know what's going on in their head it is truly just an act of kindness and the more I see like now that I've experienced everything I've experienced you know when you see people and especially like the homeless if I didn't have the advocacy with loved ones that I had who knows where I'd be. So when I see people suffering like that, even if it's criminals, <laughs> anyone who's going through whatever, I realize 
they might have the same challenges I went through, but they didn't have someone to advocate and to make sure that they stayed on top of it and took their medicine and treated it properly. So I just think it's really important to look at everybody and understand that everybody's dealing with their own, you know, situation. And especially like when you talk about people who do bad things, you know, you don't know where they are chemically and mentally. And I just think everybody could use a little more grace and a little more kindness. Okay. And once again, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia and Commonplace. It's always a delight to have someone come in that has a positive message and you tell the full story. So many people want to just give this really wholesome story and they don't want to give the, the, the back burner stuff. Some people will call it filth. I wasn't going to use that word, but the, the things that happen that are unplanned. Um, right. And I want to thank you so much for that, Kimmy. And um, lastly, can you plug everywhere that anybody can find you on the internet? Because we have people, like I told you earlier in our pre-call, that only want to do something one click to find you. They don't want to have to go everywhere or right. they just want to go to Google to find you. So how can we find you on the World Wide Web? BipolarButterflyProject.com. There's links okay. to almost everything I do from there. Okay. Now, here's another topic before we get off that I always have to ask everyone, and I forgot to ask you, and I apologize. If someone wants to contact you to personally talk to you or however you do with your establishment, is it easier to send something through um, something on your webpage, or is it easier for them to hit you in your DM or on Facebook Messenger at a set certain period of time, or... No, and this falls back to me being bad, neglecting, you know, my real life because I'm often engaged on all levels of social media. You can contact me through Instagram, Facebook. If you go to my website, bipolarbutterflyproject.com, there's a link for contact there. Um, actually, this is something I need to correct in the future because I do have so many channels. It's hard to keep up with all of it, but um, I'm going to try to funnel everybody to use bipolarbutterflyproject.com because there's a contact button there. Right, so it'll make things, it'll streamline things. Everything, yeah, I want to funnel everything to one spot. <laughs> All right, so once again, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia and Commonplace. And it was great having you uh, come and talk to us today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you.